0: You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of
1: effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassidy and uh, Alicia Garvalio. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Alicia. Uh, Thanks for joining us on The Elephant Test. Today, we're joined by uh, David Reske. Um, David is the founder and president of NowSpeed Marketing. He's an uh, internet marketing veteran with significant experience in SEO, PPC, social media, and web analytics, and the author of a new book called uh, Digital Marketing in the Zone. Thanks for joining us here, uh, David. Thanks, guys. Great to be here with you.
2: We're excited to have you today. Yes, thanks, Alicia.
0: It's good to, good to talk to you.
1: So you just came out with a book, Digital Marketing in the Zone, and I think digital marketing is kind of the subject we really want to get into with you today. But before we kind of dive headlong into that, um, something I always like to ask people out there is uh, how did you get into the uh, B2B marketing space?
0: Well, it's been a long journey for me in B2B marketing. I started my career as a bag-carrying salesperson for a, a computer company. I did that for a number of years. And then I was going back for my MBA. And about halfway through the MBA program, I took this course on entrepreneurship, on how to write a business plan, I uh, I started uh, writing this business plan. I got so excited about the plan that I quit the MBA program, quit my job, and decided to start the company. And the <laughs> idea was to um, we called it online computer market at the time. And the idea was to build um, websites and do e-commerce for computer companies. And this was back in the '90s uh, when that was all very new. So uh, so I kind of moved in it into marketing from a sales perspective, and re- quickly realized that. The web was taking over the world, and I really wanted to be part of that. And so I built a company, and that was my first company, um, building websites and doing uh, internet marketing.
1: That's where kind of the digital marketing starts for you. It's it's crazy how many people that I talk to in marketing really started in sales. It seems to be kind of a natural transition point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I found that sales is a great skill set to have when you're starting a company anyway. I don't know how you could start a company without having some kind of a sales background or sales experience. So
1: yeah, if you you don't sell, you don't have a company, I guess. (laughs) And then when you spend enough time in sales, you start realizing, you know what, this company really needs is marketing.
2: And that's why you have me. Uh, yeah. So in, you started internet marketing in the '90s. When um, did, did people think you were crazy, like dropping out of MBA school and then going off and doing this like really weird new thing that you know hardly anyone was doing at that point? Did did people think you were nuts?
0: Yeah, you know, my family thought I was nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting my job and starting this new thing, and you know, um, it took us a long time before we got it to be. Profitable and growing, um, but actually, you know, when we started to take the idea, the original idea was to do e-commerce, and back in the early '90s, that was just too new. So we would go to computer companies and say, "Hey, we can take your product catalog and put it online and let people search and sort and and compare you to your competitors, uh, you know, in a in an easy, you know, way on the internet." And they looked at us like. That's the stupidest thing we've ever heard.
1: Right. Who would want to do that? How are they going to buy? Nobody's going to give you a credit
0: card number online. <laughs> right. That's a,
1: Who would want to do that? Nobody has a credit card. It's the 90s.
0: Yeah. So we, uh, so, but they said, oh, but can you build us a website? And so we listened carefully to that and we really pivoted the company from trying to do e commerce and all this fancy catalog work to building websites. And that worked really well. I grew that company up to about uh, 75 people and. Uh, sold it in the late '90s, and um, that worked out really well for me.
1: Neat, man! Making websites back then—that was what just pretty much HTML and maybe some JavaScript and.
0: Yeah, it was really early. There were very few tools. We were, you know, building HTML and Notepad and you know doing all the you know original kind of graphic design. So it was early days, uh, but uh, it was very exciting back then. Things were changing rapidly. Um, but you know, grew that company up, sold it, worked for the acquiring company for a while, and then uh, started this company in 2003. And really, in this company, we've really focused, um, uh, you know, all of our efforts on digital marketing expertise. From
1: and that's you know, that's NowSpeed.
0: With NowSpeed, right? And so we really, uh, you know, doing all the core services. Really started with email marketing, evolved into doing SEO, uh, PPC, digital advertising, social media. And then just really probably the last four or five years, re-added website design development to Mm -hmm. our mix. And so we've got a a nice suite of services we help clients
1: with. So that was, I think you just covered it, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you was when it comes to things like digital marketing, if you could kind of give us an an overview of what does digital marketing include? I mean, I think it's, as you said, it's changed over time, but what kind of services are covered in digital marketing? Are, Are we looking at, you know, everything you listed off there, Is that it? Or are there other services? Is it kind of a loose definition that everybody has their own of? Can you give us in in the audience kind of a general overview of what people mean when they say digital marketing?
0: Yeah, digital marketing can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. The way that I think about it is really a set of online techniques you can use to drive traffic, uh, convert that traffic to leads, and nurture those leads to become customers. So the, the model we use is drive, convert, and nurture. And that's It's really kind of a B2B-centric model, which I know is what your audience is primarily focused on. So in in driving traffic, we think of great tools to drive traffic are obviously email marketing, um, if you have a good list, especially. Um, Organic search uh, can be a great way to drive traffic through free traffic from the search engines. And then digital advertising. So, you know, today that means probably Google uh, and then social media advertising, and then a whole range of other tools. In, in convert, that means you know using your website, landing pages, content, social media sites to convert that traffic into leads or into some kind of engagement. And then in nurture, it usually means um, you know using email, using tools like remarketing or social engagement to nurture those leads to become customers. So that 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 model usually works pretty well for me as you know the three core steps to to get leads and to get customers.
1: So it's really about is it usually about the direct lead generation, not so much brand development, but there's a there's a hard lead at the end of uh, of the digital marketing stuff, or is there some sort of combination between those two uh, parts of marketing?
0: There is a there is definitely a, a confluence of those two ideas. Uh, the way I think about brand building is that we usually do that as a byproduct of the lead generation products. We're not primarily a digital marketing branding firm. So you can definitely use digital advertising and all kinds of techniques to build engagement or you build your brand. Um, I like to do that as a byproduct of generating leads. So if you do digital advertising to get leads, you get often you get branding as a result. Uh, if you just get if you just do branding activities, you don't often get the leads as a result.
1: So I guess that's probably part of the coming from sales. There, you uh, you need that hard lead at the end to really see the. Uh the effect of the marketing.
0: That's right. And that's really what most of our clients are willing to pay for. They they don't usually pay us to do brand building. They usually pay us to drive leads that become customers.
1: Right. They want that hard, measurable result at the end. Exactly. I can see that. Yep, yep. To, to your broader question, I think there are
0: probably a, a set of uh, legitimate brand building digital marketing activities that people could do as well. You could do digital advertising Email just to build brand or engagement. Uh, we we happen to just focus on the lead generation aspects of these. Things.
2: Okay, so I'm curious. You, in your experience, has it worked very well to do kind of the um, lead first, brand as kind of almost an afterthought or secondary? I know that's not necessarily your ex- area of expertise. I just kind of we to talking
0: really about it. Well. So if we're using something like digital advertising. Um, let's say you just want to get impressions out there. So if I use a Google account to get, you know, to get leads, I can get, you know, a a million impressions for very, very little money on the internet. to just brand Visibility. Um, So yeah, you can definitely use the internet to get that, that brand visibility. But if you also then have in that ad, you add a call to action with a good landing page, then you can get the brand visibility and then, you know, get somebody to do something, which is raise their hand and, Maybe say, "Hey, I'm interested. Uh, tell me more. I downloaded some content, or I requested a demo, or something like that." And we want to turn that into a lead, office.
1: So, do you okay. think a lot of the companies you're working with are doing branding activities separate from what they're doing with you, and are really focusing with you on the on the lead generation for their sales team? And is that do you think that's what's happening a lot there?
0: Uh, I don't know all the things they're doing outside of working with me, um, but. I think that they're leveraging, uh, you know, these integrated programs that we were created to do both brand building as well as lead generation. In other words, we we put them all together. So when you do the lead generation campaign, you really get that brand building as a as a byproduct.
2: It sounds like what you guys are doing is more brand awareness rather than brand building from – I mean, maybe with the website design, you guys do go and kind of go through the brand building part, but – but it sounds like you guys are really pushing the um, visibility of the brand rather than the the foundation of what the brand is. Does that make sense? Yeah. To, you can, does that sound right? Yeah,
0: okay. we we have to build brand awareness in order to build price right. awareness, in order to drive engagement, in order to get the lead right. sales. So uh, yes, you could say
1: that. Back to kind of the hardcore digital marketing stuff. You'd listed off a bunch of different digital marketing services. Um, I was wondering, an area that always kind of confused me, and I'd see it sometimes, and then jump back and forth, wondering if it was included. I'd always thought of digital marketing as basically everything you do online for marketing, but I keep seeing references to digital marketing that seems like they're talking about um, kind of on-location uh, display ads. Is there digital marketing outside of the web or is it all basically everything that you do online? I
0: think it's everything that you do online. It's, it's way more than just display ads. Um, that's just – in my definition, that would just be a, a component of a digital marketing campaign. Right. Won- oh, these
1: were on site, meaning not on website but like physical, in physical locations, people putting up ads like on monitors and stuff like that. And it, that had always kind of confused me what category that fell into. Yeah, I, I think you could,
0: if you're going to do digital display ads like in-store, I think you could call it digital marketing. Um, there's also, yeah, yeah there's new, new things coming up all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a much broader definition of de- digital marketing than uh, the things that I focus on.
2: Makes okay. sense. It so, is an always-changing and pretty fluid topic.
1: So you, you listed off a handful, of the email SEO, PPC, social media. Um, I guess, do you have a favorite in there? Or is there something you usually start with? Well, that's a good question. I think that you know, clients
0: the clients with um, big budgets who want comprehensive campaigns, they want to do it all, right? So they, they want an integrated program to drive traffic. They want to convert it. They want to do lead nurturing. They want to do the whole thing. But some clients don't have that broader budget. Or they can't do everything. And so they often want to start with just the thing that's most effective. And usually I, I, I advise people to start with uh, if they have a good house list or they can get a list of uh, their potential target audience. Um, email marketing is usually one of the best things you can do if you have a good list if you don't have a good list or you can't get a list then usually digital advertising through google or you know facebook or linkedin or some other tool like that is the best thing you can do and if you could just you know if you could just do one thing and put your budget in one place i'd probably put it into digital advertising Cause it is the one thing you can do where you can just if you do it right if you do it well you can just put money in and you get leads out and it usually becomes something that pays for itself and helps your business grow.
1: Right, and I guess I've been thinking about lately the when you talk about something like Google AdWords and I mean, I guess with digital marketing overall, somebody built this amazing marketplace called the internet and we all get to benefit from it. So the cost is, uh, this type of marketing is brought way down compared to some of the more traditional marketing stuff. But then when you look at platforms like Google AdWords, again, they've created a platform where you kind of you put in your little bit of information and then they just – they push stuff out to you that you can act on. Uh, a lot of the other types of things, they really require so many – you know, you have to run a full campaign, come up with concepts, all this different stuff. There's a lot of points of failure there where you could get something wrong in your messaging and your offer and you know, in XYZ. I, I guess I'm saying uh, I always look at these, these different digital marketing options and some of them feel like they do so much of it for you. You basically just – the part you have to do is give them money. You pay them and, and they will – uh, handle a lot of it for you. And then there's companies like you out there, of course, that really you just give money and they handle it all for you.
0: That's right. Yeah. So it it feels like often you can take a platform like Google AdWords, put a few keywords out there, write a little bit of ad copy, and then just turn it on and it goes. Um, in reality, uh, it takes a long time to develop core expertise in a product like Google AdWords to make it run really well for you. So it's not In actuality, kind of a easy to run, set it and forget it campaign. There's just so many options, um, in terms of running keywords, setting up campaigns, designing landing pages, targeting platforms like YouTube and Gmail and running retargeting ads and, you know, doing display versus search and doing type of day targeting and bid adjustments. So there, so what we do is with our staff, we take them through a really comprehensive training program. We make them Experts and uh, experts in particular industries, so they could really get to know how to optimize it. I've met a lot of people who say, um, "Oh, you know, I tried that Google AdWords thing. Didn't work. Doesn't work. I don't believe it." <laughs>
1: and
0: they're just—it's because they did it badly.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah.
0: Does, it does take a lot to do well
1: it's not quite as simple as i was saying if somebody goes out there tries and fails don't come to me complaining (laughs) saying i said it would be super easy um you still have to get it right yeah i mean i guess what what i was getting to is certain solutions have a lot a lot more points of failure a lot more areas where you can just make Uh, a small mistake and and you can get no results because of it and then there's other solutions that kind of uh they're taking care of part of it for you to where you eliminate those mistakes and then there's yeah then there's outsourcing to companies who already know the mistakes and how to avoid them and uh and then you're, you know, you're sure to, to be able to get the results you're looking for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the beautiful things of AdWords, in spite of like needing all this expertise, is um, you can get started with a very small budget. So imagine if we wanted to run a, you know, television advertising campaign. You know, think about what it would take to do great production and design and storytelling and filming and really create that ultimate thirty-second spot, and then buy you know right you know in tv t- you know ad time to really figure out to test it and really figure out if it's going to work or not that's a big right, that, yeah. and you can make a small to
1: entry is kind of removed there
0: yeah you can make a small bet in adwords you can get into it for in the thousands of dollars test out all kinds of different ads and keywords and ideas and really learn a lot and hone it in you know for in the thousands of dollars not in the tens of thousands or millions of dollars.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's something that we've been talking a lot about here as far as kind of the purpose of a lot of products. And it seems like a lot of products' purpose is really to, or what they end up, um, the problem they end up solving is eliminating some of the barrier to entry into a market. And I think, again, the internet really helps with that. The internet mm. puts everybody online in relatively the same uh, same fashion for for really low barrier to entry, allowing us all to... Um, You know, at low cost, you can experiment at low cost. You know, the the smaller companies can experiment so much easier with the bigger than in a, you know, physical marketplace, I guess. Yep, absolutely.
2: So So, I have a question for you. Um, So you're talking about these lead, um, you know, the landing pages and all these things to create leads. What is your favorite lead capture process? I know obviously different things will work best for different people in different industries, but whether it's um, chatbots or the the page that – what am I talking about the word for – where you pages. fill in all the information.
1: Oh, landing <laughs> gating a
2: gating yeah, gating yeah a gated yeah, page yeah. yeah so what's your uh, favorite
1: we'll edit that out in post Don't worry
2: about it. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite lead capture pr- um, platform?
0: Well, you know, for years we've used landing pages really effectively. So if you drive the right kind of traffic, whether it's organic traffic or email traffic or you know search traffic, you drive them to a really well-designed website with a great landing page the you know, good call to action, solid offer, easy to use form, all those core landing page design principles, you can get really good lead flow. So landing pages are always our go-to platform. Now, in some markets, the nature of the call to action really lends itself to a phone call rather than a landing page form because you want to have a conversation with somebody who needs more information um, than a, just a landing page. So you, you kind of want to move the buying process faster. By not taking him to a landing page with a form, but just take him right to a phone call. And the beautiful thing right now that's happened in the last couple of years is mobile advertising has come on really strong and mobile traffic's come on strong. So we can use ads that feature phone numbers where people do a search on a mobile device and they just click to call and they're instantly connected to somebody who can provide a service or sell them something that you know meets a need.
1: All right. David, where do you come down on the... Uh having kind of multiple call to actions or multiple directions people can go. So you're saying directing to a landing page, but sometimes a phone number. Do you do campaigns sometimes where they have the option to, to do either, either fill out a landing page or call, or do you like to kind of stick to one? Yeah, we, can, we usually want to test those one at a time because we usually don't want to give people more than one thing to do
0: because it can kind of confuse them. But on a landing page, you might put a phone number on it, but the primary call to action is going to be fill in the, fill in the form. Um, so I, I usually like to have, you know, one thing to do. But then you can also test. You can say, well, let's put the phone number on, do an A-B test with the phone number on, with the phone number off, and really see which one's going to be better. Um, I was going to add, too, um, Alicia, you mentioned chatbots. Chatbots are also something <coughs> we've been testing really in the last uh, six months, and I'm really excited about that because that provides a different kind of experience and different kind of call to action. For some of our clients, that's working really well. And the nice thing is you can just put that, You know, put a chat bot on every page on your website, and it drives really instant engagement without you know having to have uh, people go to a landing page. It just basically the landing page experience, you know, gets populated through the whole website. So that's a that's a third great way to
1: engage people. David, quick clarification on chat chat bots: is that just the chat? option that's on the site or I'm asking for a friend, not for myself, of course I know this already, but are are you referring to just the chat option on a website or is this an automated uh, chat option?
0: There's a whole class of software that's that's automated the interactions that you can have. So, you know, in the past you'd have chat windows where a chat session would come up and a real person, often a sales or customer service person, was on the other side saying, how can I help you or do you need more information? Um, but the chat bots have kind of automated that initial conversation so that they're saying, you know, the chat the software is saying, how can I help you and, and, and giving you a list of options. And if you say, hey, I'm interested in software B or product X, they're then maybe asking you some other information and maybe taking your name and email address. And then, you know, if you say, hey, I want to talk to somebody, then they might be opening a chat window with a real person. So they're driving. So it's
1: not like an artificial intelligence uh, yeah, chat window or something like it that. It will
2: be soon. <laughs> I, I just got
1: excited when I heard chatbot. I was like, wait, it's having a full-on conversation. I, I've well, seen some they're automated but-
2: responses. So right. depending on what you put in, it kind of does have some AI elements, just low-level AI elements.
1: So you'd mentioned a landing page. It is really like a landing page, in that it asks you the questions that they might gather on a landing page, but as a chat. Exactly. It
0: can be as simple or as sophisticated as you want, and they they really are moving toward AI in that whole class of product because they're going to get smarter and smarter about what you've done. They can see what you've done on the website. They can suggest you know products or solutions based on what they see about you or what they know about you in their database. So the, that class of products really is getting smarter. And I think AI is going to improve the customer experience and, and improve conversion rates and lead flow um, as that software gets better.
2: So, how do you see that as being different than the, you know, when you get the you call customer service at, you know, um, Bank of America and they send you through 16 different options and you have to go through three sets of menus and, and, um, People get really frustrated with that, and they really just want to talk to a live person. and it's funny because now it's becoming uh, you know a trend that that um, consumer facing businesses are like, "Oh, you know, we have great customer service. When you call us, you get a real person. <laughs> so how do you see the chat bots panning out in the long term the way that these kind of phone automated menus have?
1: I guess basically, are they gonna piss people off? right. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I think like anything, if you design it badly, they will piss piss people off, you know, because you can can use this technology in a really awful way and make it frustrating for people as well. I mean, I think that the nice thing about the way that we're seeing that implemented today is that the interactions are fairly simple. Because it's visual, you can easily click to say, oh, I want to chat with somebody now or I want to call somebody now. You kind of, unlike a phone menu where it's like, well, how do I get back or how do I get to an operator? That's often where you're frustrated those phone menus. So with a, with a chat window, if you design it well, you can always click to get out or click to talk to a real person. Um, so the interaction should be much better, but I'm sure someone could design it badly. (laughs) I mean, I I, I, personally, I hate the ones today that pop up incessantly. They don't remember that I was there 10 seconds ago and then just make it create a really annoying experience. And so I, I think Again, like anything, you can do it badly, but you want to be smart and sensitive and respectful about the people who are coming to your website, and you've got to design it well.
1: Yeah, David, I think those are the uh, the new version of, if you remember, and you've been in the website business, you probably made some of these Back in the day, but the uh, the sites that had the videos when you first go to the site, no, oh. it, it plays the video with the audio, and every time you go, it's just this lady jumps out and starts talking, and like man, every time and you go to the home page, walks she's across your there, screen, and page, like, Hi. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know it's super annoying. So you know, I think as marketers, we get a new toy and we start annoying people with it. <laughs> yeah. it's like all you know, there are thousands of different marketing software applications right now, and Every one of them can be used really well and improve your customer experience and improve your lead flow and and every one of them can be used badly and so that's one of the reasons we exist as a firm because we have experience we can take that you help people with that shortcut to you know do it right and save time and money by by uh, using these tools well.
2: So you said that you're excited about the chat bots. Are there any trends that you're like particularly not excited about that you're just kind of hating on a little bit right now?
0: Oh, interesting question. Trends that I'm, that I'm thinking about um, could be bad. I, you know, I wonder um, what's happening with mobile. I mean, mobile, mobile advertising and mobile content, we're, we're all kind of moving toward mobile, more and more of our um, experience in mobile. But I think that, you know, sometimes if we take the old website experience and don't really create a really good mobile experience or a, you know, a, a good you know, landing page experience, if people want a lead, then I think that that could be done badly. So I, I think mobile is one of those areas where you really have to think very carefully about the customer experience and what you want it to be like, because um, you don't really want to just necessarily replicate the website experience, a long form or something bad, uh, you know, that's that's difficult to use on that small mobile device.
1: Right. So were you getting excited when phone screens started getting bigger? Because it does make that, that website to mobile interaction a little bit. I mean, I remember back in the day when you try to look at a, a website on a phone, and it was, unless it was specifically made for the phone, you just got this weird mixture of characters and images and stuff.
0: Yeah, I am excited about that. I think that uh, as marketers, we just need to make it simpler and easier so that it's, it's just easier to find what we're looking for in that rather than making it super complicated because you just can't do that many things on that on that mobile device. But, um, right. you know, that, that's just an important area. You know, I mean, it, fact, what are give the, them one
1: option, kind of.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alicia, back to your question about what I'm a little concerned about is, I, I do wonder where all the tracking is going in this. I mean, we're in the business of tracking yeah. data. So I yeah. do think that there is a massive privacy issue looming. And I think there, yes, there is a is. role for maybe regulation and government to make it easier to protect our, all of our privacy. Because being in this industry, we, we kind of see how much data there is on us all the time. And most of the time, I don't care because I get offered a, you know, the right shoe or the right
2: Exactly.
0: It's uh, <laughs> yeah. better for me. But in right. you know in the wrong hands in a in a privacy situation I don't necessarily want that going the wrong place. So I, I think that's that's an interesting society issue that uh, all this marketing uh, content and data uh, we need to address that as a society.
1: Yeah, there's a couple big updates in that area recently. What there's the uh, the cable companies being allowed to you know uh, basically sell your information now. Uh, and then also LinkedIn just had a, a shift recently where they put out a change to their terms of use, I believe it was, maybe pri- privacy policy, one of those. I always get confused. But um, basically saying, hey, we're going to be selling access to all your information to third parties for their, for their tools. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of kind of both of those areas as far as access to data goes. The one's kind of more on the consumer side, but LinkedIn is definitely a, uh, you know, a, a big B2B tool there.
0: Yeah, and I think that they're probably just following the trend of everybody else um, because people are just selling our data all the time or using it for other marketing purposes. So we as consumers just need to be uh, careful. And I think you know, one of the things that could happen is there's a you know new browsers out there. I think there's a new Firefox browser that just basically makes you invisible on the internet. So what you're saying
2: it's like private all the time,
0: right? And so if if that takes off, that takes away a lot of the ability of marketers to personalize and customize your experience. So, you know, that, huh. that could make yeah. it much more difficult for us as marketers to provide better and more personalized content. Um, but it might be the natural consumer response to you know, huh. the sense of loss of privacy.
1: Kind of gives more control to the properties like LinkedIn, though. I mean, because they have they have your information inside, so you've 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 given them permission to know who you are and have all this info that they can then push out to third parties. As opposed to just generally being online, yeah, you can you can make yourself private from the cable company, but from uh,
2: Google,
1: as far as where you're going online, stuff like that, to some degree. But yeah, company companies like LinkedIn still, you know, Microsoft buys them; they're still going to monetize it.
2: Yeah.
0: And then, you know, really from an advertiser's perspective, we use LinkedIn for our clients all the time. It's a great platform. And because we mm-hmm. tell LinkedIn all about ourselves, we tell Facebook all about ourselves, they exactly. have amazing options for us to do targeted advertising. So to the extent that you still want to use LinkedIn, you're going to get that kind of, those kind of targeted ads and offers, um, that are just going to be more personalized to you.
2: Out of the social medias, uh, which which platform would you say is the easiest to target? Um, in my experience, I think Twitter has the highest amount of um, – like you can drill down really well on Twitter about like what you want. You can be like, oh, I, I want a person that's just recently bought a home or things like that that are crazy on Twitter. In your experience, which one's the best
0: for that? Yeah, you can see that on Twitter. I think Facebook also has amazing options, um, and it's it, – Really, what what's happened with like with a platform like Facebook is they, they they know all about us from what we tell uh, Facebook, right? Uh-huh. We Facebook all about ourselves, but then they augment that with other third party data about us. So they're buying data, and allowing yeah. us to do, allowing advertisers to do more targeting. So, I, I think that's very powerful. I mean, from a B two B perspective, um, LinkedIn's usually the go to platform for our clients and the B two B. Of
2: course, yeah.
0: Um, but I. Think that you know most. Of we try to get our clients to test uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter because often in those platforms we can get ten times more traffic for the money, and mm-hmm. they can be very effective. So it's sometimes it's a, it's a matter of you know if you get ten times more traffic, but the cost is twice as much. Well, maybe it's still worth it um, you know, because you're you so effective. So our philosophy is uh, always to you know. Make some small bets, test, optimize, and really find out what's working best uh, for our clients in their particular campaigns.
1: Great. Okay. Excellent. I want to get back to the, the digital marketing, like uh, really into the digital marketing here a little more. We kind of went through some of the different digital marketing platforms, your some of your favorite tools, some of your least favorite tools, stuff like that. Um, can you give us kind of a general overview and anything that you'd really love to cover on digital marketing? We, we got a bit more time here, but I want to make sure we get in, you know, anything you really want to say about digital marketing, about kind of what you guys specialize in there, where things are at, where they're going, all that kind of good stuff.
0: Sure. Well, I might take a step back and mention the book that I just wrote, uh, digital marketing in the zone. And the, the framework that I thought through for the book really helps people think you know more strategically about digital marketing than tactically around some of the techniques that we've been talking about. Um, and I really wrote it because the world has changed for many marketers. It used to be that you know people would um, kind of go to salespeople to get information about products and services. Now they're really doing a lot of self-service, and marketing has become more important than, other, than ever. And many marketers are really confused and frustrated because there are just so many tools out there. So in the digital marketing zone, uh, system. I've created a six-step process for people to think strategically about digital marketing. Kind of starts with strategy and planning, goes into the team and the vendors and the processes you set up. The third element is data and technology. Fourth element is content. Fifth element is your website, and then the sixth element is the marketing programs that we've been talking about. So, you know, it's a it's a great framework to kind of think about. You know, am I Am I as a, as a marketer, a marketing leader, doing everything I can strategically to make my organization, my company, world class as a marketer? Um, and as you kind of walk around through that, I've actually included in the book a uh, basically a uh, digital marketing checkup, 30 questions to get started to help you think about whether or not you're world class in those areas. And and I hope the book will really help people, you know, get to the next level in their marketing expertise.
1: So how would you, if you had to break it out? Um, I always Look, at, I look at certain marketing products and I think, oh, that's for this size of company and that's for that size of company. When it comes to digital marketing, at what point should people just be going out and getting a book like maybe Digital Marketing in the Zone by David Resky? <laughs> um, and at what point should they be you know, looking to uh, do their own digital marketing? Study up on it, again, something like getting a book, doing their own digital marketing versus um, jumping over to having a firm do the digital marketing or having dedicated people inside. Do you have – Kind of thoughts on on what levels, what size a company, what budgets people should really be looking at these different ways of approaching it. Yeah, it's a good
0: question. I think it's it's kind of all of the above, and it's a, it kind of depends on what your what your budget is. I think the the reality is that it's it's almost impossible for one person in an organization to be an expert in all areas, right? So it's hard to be an expert yeah. strategist, planner, you know, expert on budgets in optimizing analytics and be great at team building and process and be great at every marketing tool from, you know, HubSpot to Google analytics to Facebook and AdWords and, you know, all the to writing content and being great at social media posting and
1: building websites and, you know, it's just and also,
2: who has the time for everything? Right. Even if you can do most of it, man.
1: So you can be a race car, or you can be a motorcycle, or you can be a bus, but you can't be all of them.
0: And you, yeah, no
1: one has the time to do that. So if you're
0: very, if you're a you know startup or do-it-yourself or small business, yeah, you you pick your battles and you build a little website and you do a little AdWords and you kind of do stuff. But if you're a serious business, you've got to have experts who. Know what they're doing. Who are world class in all these areas, and and that's the big message of the book. Um, you've really got to take it to the next level, so that you get out of a mode. A lot of a lot of marketers live in this mode of, I tried it, didn't work. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm anxious. I'm you know, and the goal of the book, the the title really, Digital Marketing Zone, is there is a place where you don't have to live that way. You can be happy and successful. You can have the skills and the talent, and you know you can all be working really well for you. And, but in order to do that, you've got to really, you know, work all elements of the system and either do that internally and hire all the right best people, do that with vendors, do that with agencies. But at some level, you got to say, am I really in this? Am I going to have the right strategy, the lines with the right people and the right process and the right data and the right tech and the right content? And I got a website that I'm proud of and I've, all my pro- programs are firing on all cylinders. That's the vision that I want to see. You now people are, and I call that in the zone where people are really you know running everything and they're they're happy and successful in their in their marketing.
1: That's the in the zone part of digital marketing in the zone? That's exactly right. So I guess that goes into something that I like to ask a lot which is so if everything's running smoothly like that that's great but that's probably pretty rare. Every time I've seen things even when once you get something right especially online somebody changes something right. something you know or everybody else starts doing it that way so it doesn't work anymore in marketing. Absolutely. You know, It becomes annoying instead of novel, that kind of thing. So, I mean, things can run really great. You can get things running smoothly, but then you're not done. You have to keep adjusting, keep changing things. Do you have any examples or stories, anything like that of, of kind of, uh, I guess I'd say, things, times when things didn't all run so great and smooth, campaigns that kind of uh, something, something got in the way and, and tanked uh, the, uh, the progress at least momentarily? Oh, yeah, I've got lots of stories like that. So we lots of <laughs> Any, stories. I guess, your clients would let you share. Right. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> we don't
2: have to name names. <laughs> and,
0: there's, there's, and there's a number of examples in the book, too. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that happens, usually the challenges that i found are the strategic challenges where you're, you're focused on the wrong things. Like we had a client uh, last year, a uh, software company, and they were doing a lot of digital advertising. They were, you know, we were doing a lot of SEO. We're optimizing their website. Things are going really well, and we're driving leads. And all of a sudden, the CEO says, "Oh, we're done. This isn't working. Uh, uh, you know, you know, we're done with this campaign." And you know, we try to dig right. like all oh, our metrics are going the right direction. We're getting leads. It's working. You know, this thing's going. <laughs>
1: Why? SEO
0: is going the right direction. Keyword visibility is going up. And so all the all the metrics are good. But we you know we dug a little further, and we we found out oh. You know, we've changed direction. We're not selling direct anymore, we're selling through the channel.
1: And so Uh, the channel doesn't want to. So it had nothing to do with the campaign really. It was kind of what they were doing.
0: Exactly. It's a strategic problem. The strategic problem is I you know, I don't want to get leads. I want to have the channel get leads. And I give and and so they're going in different directions. So that that happens. Uh, sometimes. Or we're working with a client uh, we work with a, a client in business consulting, kind of a high-end business consulting firm, and we're generating engagement, and the traffic's going up, and so to your point, we're building their brand, and the CEO comes back and says, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, because all the leads that we're coming in are low-level people, and he sells to CEOs of the Fortune 500. He's a strategy uh-huh. consultant. So it's kind of a mismatch between what digital marketing can do, and what you know the CEO kind of wants for a lead. So, you know, I think those right. are the those are the biggest challenges we face. You know, making sure the strategy is aligned with you know the the right programs to achieve the real objectives.
1: Right. I guess so. We're getting pretty close to uh, to running up against time here. I got a couple more things I want to go over. One general one here is B two B marketing advice. Do you have any just like quick hitter advice? For B two B marketers,
0: yeah, and actually at the end of the book, I have a chapter called the digital marketing hack. <laughs> so it's a list of things you just should do like today to fix your you know programs. And I, I would just start with you know let's call it alignment. You know, if you're running advertising, make sure that the keywords you're running on go to an ad that makes sense with a call to action that's reasonable. that goes to a well-designed landing page, and your tracking all makes sense. So. I've said a lot of things there, but in every one of those pieces I've seen innumerable times where, you know, people have bad ad copy. It doesn't make sense. They have bad landing pages that people don't know what to do with. Uh, and they have offers that are confusing or, or value. It don't have any value. So and, and, right. and even deeper, their tracking doesn't work. So even if it was working, they would have no idea. So I think, you know, at a minimum, just. Start there. Just make sure if you're running any ads or your website, you know you've got a call to action, it's got a well-designed landing page, good offer,
1: and your tracking works. And you'll be like, so kind of double double-check the lead flow that everybody can actually make it through.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: and just make sure that makes sense.
0: And you'll be uh, you'll probably double your lead flow <laughs> just by just by doing that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've seen campaigns where simple things like everything was put together beautifully, but there was a link that had a typo in it or something like that. Right. It wasn't tested. And you wonder what where'd the results go? Oh, your primary link didn't work. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That that kind of thing can hurt. I could see that. I guess that's where a double meaning of the word hack and hack comes in.
0: That's right. Yep. <laughs> don't
1: don't hire a marketing hack or you'll uh, <laughs> you'll have a problem. Um,
2: so if you had in a any marketing superpower, what would you want it to be?
1: You know, there is
0: there are so many tools out there. You know, there, Keith uh, Martech, uh, an analyst firm, produces a chart, and there, you know, with all of the marketing tools out there that they could find, and there's currently over 4,000 logos on that chart. So there's just so many different pieces of software that you know we're seeing some nice all-in-one tools come together, like HubSpot's emerging, Pardot is emerging, there's a few of these that are trying to put all the pieces together, and I think what'll happen. You know, if I had this, this marketing superpower, is it would be nice if there was integrated software that worked across all of these uh, levels.
1: So your superpower would be to make the software work across all levels. Yeah, that's super funny. <laughs> across all,
0: <of> these <laughs> so we could you go to one enterprise piece of software and it would all work seamlessly together. Um, today we probably mm-hmm. use uh, thirty or fifty different pieces of software to do our job for our clients,
1: and it's complicated. Right. When you first started talking about it, my first thought was, that I hadn't thought of before was maybe my marketing superpower would be to understand how they work and what the purpose is of every new piece of marketing technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you just can't keep up and then you're always worrying like, oh, there might be a tool out there that would do this really well and I just don't know about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So that that would be a, that, that might FOMO. be – that's mine for the day. <laughs> yeah. Marketing tech on mission. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, the all-knowing marketing tech uh, tech guy mm-hmm. with a cape. Um, so you'd mentioned tech stacks. Do you guys have a particular tech stack that you uh, that you use there? Particular particular tools that you use?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I mentioned we probably use uh, over thirty different tools, and so in all different categories. And so you know, we we've, we've thought through our marketing tech stack really in all the different areas from uh, advertising, um, social media uh content and experience, commerce, data and management. So we have particular tools we use in all six of those areas um, that we really bring to the table. And so often clients will say, Oh, but can you also use this one? I like that. And so we'll add another one and work with clients on what they've got. But we like we like a particular group of uh, software that um that uh that's proven for us.
1: So you don't just get to pick your own stack kind of I mean your clients will come to you and say, Hey we're using this, we need you to to use it sometimes, so you end up having to use all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, but usually clients want us to bring the stack with us, so mm-hmm. because they don't usually, they usually haven't thought through the stack themselves, So because it's too complicated. So they might say, oh, I'm using HubSpot, or I'm using WordPress, or I'm using LinkedIn, or using Salesforce, um, especially in B2B, there's some of those tools that are common. But we're going to bring dozens of other pieces of software to the game and make it possible for them to really have an integrated system really quickly. Um, it's probably what we bring to the table.
1: So I think we're kind of running out of time here. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I think we're, we need to start wrapping things up. If we get too long, people start people start losing interest. Um, this has been super compelling. We I think we'd like to probably have you on another time if uh, if you're up for it to uh to talk more about this kind of stuff but anything uh real quick that you wanted to cover uh before we before we wrap it up yeah, i really appreciate the time cassidy and uh,
0: alicia it's been great talking to you and um i really appreciate what you're doing this blog and i wish you all the success with it
1: all right excellent i'm going to uh toss it over to alicia now and uh, she's going to mention some of the um your book some of the other stuff you guys are doing over there now speed uh, go ahead alicia
2: Thank you, David, so much for being on. Um, as we mentioned, David has a new book out that came out in June called um, Digital Zone, and it's available on Amazon. Digital and Marketing digital in marketing the Digital Marketing in yeah. the Zone. You know, it's been said both Sorry. ways. So I want to make sure, actually, I have that right. David, can you say it for us once? It's
0: Digital Marketing in the Zone.
2: Oh, that's correct. Okay, he's right. Digital Marketing in the Zone. And you can find out more about... His company and what he does at mousepeed.com. Um, you can find show notes for this episode on elephanttest.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you again, David.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks, David. A quick word from our sponsor
2: effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, we're sure to have the contacts you need to be in front of. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com.
0: Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time.